Good evening, good evening. Uh, this will be a debate show after our episode, but in the beginning of this episode, I will have a pre-recorded message regarding uh, the seriousness of what's happening in this country. Tonight's episode, well, I want to talk about um, the breaking news that uh, cocaine was actually found in the White House. And it is believed to be Hunter Biden. I'm not surprised at that. We don't know if it planned it or not, but a lot of shit goes on in the White House. You know, like it was a young senator, um, young Republican senator that's disabled. And he said he invited the orgies and had drugs and all that. but um, it is suspected to be Hunter Biden's cocaine. Cocaine gate is what they call it. Let me just say this. I know that many of you, like me, regretted uh, voting for Sleepy Joe. His son is dead weight, obviously. He's dead weight, he's nasty too. Um, but um, Clinton's is Sleepy Joe using cocaine. Let let that marinate for a second. Models, big time models, Naomi Campbell done use cocaine. She now has two children. Lawrence Taylor, one of the greatest football players of all time, was on drugs every day, used cocaine, and even smoked some crack once. But on cocaine every day he played football. Do that take away his Hall of Fame record? No. Whitney Houston, one of one of the so-called greatest singers of our time. Not only she snorted cocaine, she smoked crack too, crack it, whack, all kinds of shit. Bobby Brown, one of the greatest uh, modern-day male uh, black entertainer, entertainers, and who once held the king of R&B and her ex-husband. Also, do that take away from their talent? No, it does not. I'm sure Donald Trump don't, don't, don't. The white power is contagious in the White House and, of course, in Hollywood. The other thing that's cocaine game that will be discussed on this episode debate show after hour the jokes that people make is ridiculous. Um, the other thing, of course, we got to have the Madonna Hill update. We got a breaking news story in that as well. I was right that Madonna had, uh, was on her deathbed. He's on her deathbed right now. They talking about reports coming out now, and believe me, Radar Online got the juice. Said that she was pronounced dead and brought her back to life. That's what they are tell, telling the media. If Narcan, reports coming out saying that Narcan, she was administering Narcan after she was found dead on arrival. And it was her assistant that found her laid out on the floor with two children, the, the two little 10 year old twins. And Narcan, I'm here to say, is not saving her life. 
it, it is used. Well, it is used primarily used for opioid or fentanyl overdose. Um, now there could be an investigation. Now she went to the hospital, and if that drug really saved her life, like they claim it did, there would have been no need. They revived her. Why would they have to uh, perform a tritectomy on her? You know, stick a two a breathing tube down her spring reviver. Somebody isn't telling the whole truth. She may be out of that hospital. Most people that been administered Narcan, as I've seen on videos, police officers, EMTF, you know, police officers, when they go raid drugs and they get in contact with it and it knocks them out real quick and the EMTs are on hand and shit like that, or other police officers have the, uh, you know, I can't on hand to administer it to them. And poor EMTs come along to the examiner. Those people are back up. And most of these uh, officers are young. And people who overdose on that stuff, they much younger. She almost 65 years old. Now, in some cases, it had been treated for septic shock as well. Septic shock, I was right about that. Your organs fail and things like that. She's not out of the wood yet. They got her on. They not saying it. I believe she on life support right now. But anyway, we will continue this on to the debate show after hours. I just had to say that. And what I'm about to say, one more thing, because Taniqua, I mean, not Taniqua, Toy, audio sister, per drama soap opera series, drama audio series, said that, um, made a good point. I am the creator and the narrator of this podcast, of this, of this creative soap, uh, drama audio podcast I created. I thought about that myself. Yes, she could be dying for the sins of her race. Look at all the chaos in the world. All the division, the racial division in the world. How the them folks are mad as hell over reparation. How that orange fool appointed those three judges to overturn affirmative action through Ivy League colleges and things like that. And we all know college enrollment, especially of these Ivy League schools like Yale and Harvard, black women were, were coming into going to these Ivy League schools, becoming doctors, lawyers, judges, executives, this, that, and the third. Um, it's not just Ivy League schools, it's, it's big time universities too, you know, getting you know multiple degrees and all that shit. Um, and I say that. And uh, the Karens, the Kens, or like I say, the Bobs and shit. You know, just that girl. Britney Spears uh, gets slapped by a security guard. I'm not even gonna waste time on that. You know why? They may mention that on the debate show. Because Britney Spears asked for it. She patted that basketball player on the back of it with her husband. And then she was shouting, this is America. She obviously was out of that young buck. <clears throat> anyway, 
you know how weird these Hollywood people are, but it got her name trending in the news. But um, I hate to say it, y'all, but I was right. I believe that Madonna is going to die a slow and painful death. Most people that has that Narcan dealt her handlers, her manager lying. That has that Narcan pumped to him, come back. Like, why would she need a tritectomy put on her? I go to the ICU after that, have a tube, a breathing tube in her throat to bring her back to life. And they had on life support after the medication. Think about that for a minute. And I'm going to explain what this so-called septic is. You all can pray for Madonna all you want. Uh, it's her to make her peace with God and, and repent from her sinful ways. I'm afraid, folks, all you Madonna maniacs, and I'm serious on this. I just have a feeling. This is it for her. They got her ass on my support, this, that, and third. They just not saying. This is it. I, I, I'm not trying to sound negative. I'm not wishing this. But on record, she died and came back to life. But she's on life support. That's what they ain't telling y'all. Think about it, y'all. If she was... If she was doing better, they said she's still very ill, bedridden. As much as she liked being on camera, she'd be on social media, on Instagram right now making a video. Uh, we don't even know that her or not. That can be a damn uh, hologram image and all that shit. And she'd be posting something on social media. They would take a picture of her. If she was doing better, you know, not hooked up to no machine, they don't want to. They got her old ass hooked. I ain't gonna call. They got her ass hooked up to a machine, a vent life support. It's in her house. I don't care. We don't even really know who's in her house. And with all the publicity surrounding her, why ain't there reporters outside her house? Something's not adding up here. And that's why. The debate lady is going to debate it. Madonna Duckgate. Hashtag Madonna Cocaine Gate. And Madonna Duckgate. So much drama. Let alone other things, topics will come up on the debate show after hours. It will be broken down into segments, including. I know this won't be like a 4th of July story time. The private time of August and Stephanie before the show, the talk about, or shall we say, the night before the second debate. And that's all I have to say for now. I am here 
Yes. And you know the rules of being a faithful and humble and loving wife. Yes, my life. Come out. Do you like what you see? The sexual hair kitten comes out in a sheer outfit and a veil and shakes everything. Everything that sees her. Oh, you can see her unmentional through the sheet. Yes, my life is. I am here to serve you. Be your lover, your wife. Miss Helen hears the music. I don't know what's the hell going on. Shake it up for me. Slowly take everything off. Yes, my life. Shake her hips and her butt. And slowly move the veil on her face. And close it up at all. I want you to take her down. Show my language. Stand before you, my life, and do everything and plenty. I am standing here, both naked in the flesh, and I curl up in bed next to I give myself completely to you. Because it is what a wife goes to do. I do right. The sexual hair kitten stands up in the bed and starts dancing and shaking.
know my life. I slowly know your thoughts for you. You wrote your grave. Would you like for me to settle short where you want me to? Let me be in charge of the seduction here. Have a strawberry. Give him chocolate. Some cream on the side. Mm. Oh, I like to have you. Mm-hmm. I like when you take that chocolate sauce in your hand. Yes, my lion king, I serve you. The sexual hell kitten goes down on his magic stick. All these can't control his love. Oh, he's there. This is her mouth out with the special mouth out. Fuck that shit. No, I take control. All these intersexual hair kids can make love. They make love moving out in the beginning. Oh, the torso off her head. He come out. Not out, out. But her head is flowing. And all this is madly turned on. Right. They make love passionate. Until the next time. Now we are at the debate show. With some after hours thrown in. The whole episode will be the debate show after hours. A real debate show rapid fire edition. Cocaine Gates will be featured. Previously on the debate show after hours. We gotta go back to the affirmative action being overturned episode. I'm going to skip through it. Why can't you be like your brother, eh? And you, you, you all go over there, be good little doll, and go over there and play your toy. Mama, mommy is going to talk. You show all you ain't had anything to do with that. Daphne, can you, can you keep an eye on These girls, they just love being on camera. Hmm. I'm not surprised. What that's supposed to mean, Erica? I just said right in the family, girl. Your twin daughters and 
Well, you know, Bella's just like, uh, yeah, who took fights in the park. Running the fast, I was thinking about my hair, like running in the fast, you know, like, damn it. You, are you okay, Eric? Are you up to this? I'm fine. I'll just chime in when I feel like it. That's heaven, you. I know the height. The only good thing that coming out of it is all the love that we don't hear you say. Yeah, that's when I first heard about it. Nearly turned together. You said she's that since she was with that Joe's rainbow people that you uh lady fault in there. I say it's horrible. We lost we we just lost in the time. Like the bad thing should go both all this weekend. I braid some more terrible thing we go eat. Go hide. Him do you start off on your phone? He asked you start just like eight. This is horrible. Have forced down our throats today. I want to read you one tweet that spoke to me from historian, writer, and friend of the show, Michael Harriet. He did not strike down affirmative action. Admission preferences for affirmative action had always families and special recommendations are all still allowed. The court struck down affirmative action for everyone. Just like many blacks, except the ones that we denied. Prior to today, Harvard has described race as a potential tip or plus factor, along with whether one of the student's parents graduated from the undergraduate college, whether a student comes from a low-income family, whether a student has special athletic talent. After today, the only tip... Any grandparent's name might be one of those buildings. Those people can still get in. Their affirmative action seems quite in place. What do you people on campus? When all things being considered are equal, affirmative action is used as a tiebreaker. But some Asian American students don't see it that way. Even the fact that when an Asian American student is applying to these universities and there's a slight doubt in their head that maybe my race might be. See, again, high fever, stiff neck, nausea, change. UNC that could end race-based admissions practices altogether. And what makes these cases different from the affirmative action cases in the past? The plaintiffs are overwhelmingly Asian American students. Yeah, because he's ILG, no, oh, oh, oh. It's also, it seemed like Asian kids. Now, Asian folk, they all smoke. Well, they just, just like we were HBCUs, they can open their own golf course. Yes, they could. Now, let's get to the other thing. Uh, what can I say? Somebody don't put it. It's true. Doctor Ashton recovering from a serious bacterial infection and has postponed her. Somebody don't put it. Our chief medical correspondent, Dr. Ashton, always great to see you. Infections have their own prevention. Doing some research, I said, bro. 
Somebody is trying to kill that white woman. Roderick. Roderick. Somebody wants her title. They want to replace her. You know who else is tied to that touring company, Live Nation? We were old, so this is Miss X. Oh, Lady F just came with some more bomb news about now. However, we gonna discuss the Essence Festival, too. And all this wretched hip-hop culture. And prior to that, in 2016, Janet went off, did some wrong shit. But uh, India Irie is coming out. And, and Jill Scott changing of the national anthem. Got, you, you know who was pissed off. But all these ratchet culture, Lord have mercy. Continue on. Beyond stage, Sony. I'm just saying. I just placed the surgery and all that thing like that. Then we are different. Oh my God, in that thing. Yeah, left eye. What about people like that? I like This it, Roderick. Oh, Beyonce went to CTLC when she was 10 years old, 12 years old, something like that. Everybody knows her pop taking the movie. I'm right just saying. Real definition of pop music and shape pop music. Top 40 is what they used to call it. They goddamn Beyonce and shit. <laughs> and these hip hop girls and that fat ass diesel. Oh, don't want to see it stain the little, what a music female silver icon. And oh, she set now. the stage for this ratchet culture that we have. Now we got in drag dark queens that she, that she was preaching. Mm-hmm. And we got ladies saying the song diesel. I'm looking at Billy. Billy can't look up to no 300 plus pound woman and no role model. This is Miss Ace's game. Low hammer. Next thing you know, they're going to be riding up 300 plus 400 pound drag queen, transgender women, fat men that don't turn the women and shit. Cover these your wife. We getting to that. Oh no, that's Kim Patriot, damn drag queen. Maybe Madonna, maybe God's taking Madonna away, cause maybe she's paying, uh, uh, paying the price for all the sins of her people, her race, especially white Toy That's a good point too. And that point will be uh, may will be talked about. With the debate ladies too. Anyway, rapid fire, Miss X is feeling a little best. And we shall start it all right now. Okay, ladies, rapid fire. We have a breaking headline news. Yeah. <sighs> Yes, I know it's 4th of July and everybody had their field meal and barbecue was excellent. No, that sister, pause. There'll be a special 4th of July episode. I will have them thinking back on it. Some, on, a, on another time, perhaps tomorrow. 
just the narrator creator of the show. Anyway, we got some breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Steffi L. Jameson, host of the, de- of the debate show. And we got some after hours talk going in with my co host, oh, Clarice Excalibur, who is shining high and bright. Yes, I finally got something feel good about cocaine gate. Found it at the White House. Sleepy Joe, hunter, sex dog sniffing cocaine Biden. Soon. Oh, left his cocaine in the White House. We don't know that. Mackay, better known as MWS. And of course, Delilah, known as Lady F. Lady Funk, social media platform. And of course, the one and only, Erica Thompson. Also known as Erica Thompson at Just Five. <clears throat> lovely dinner, lovely dinner. A lot went down. We're going to discuss that. And of course, special guest, my sister in law, Toy, and Clarice's sister, Tanika, known as TNT, bringing the fire and the spirit. Word on the street. Yes, we going to talk about the essence. Yes. <clears throat> we need a. We need a. a, 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 a and my step um, daughter may chime in. <clears throat> Beverly, and uh, of course, and of course, this is Mr. Audius Jameson. I'm chiming in this vehicle. Hello, sweetness. We had a very nice walk. I know that story like that. <sighs> yes, I know. And all your ass don't need to pay him. Oh, well, you, I'm just going to give my two cents. This all. And who is watching the, oh, the children in good hands? Of course, you know. Deborah might, might want to say something. Oh, if I feel the need to, I will just chime in. But you ladies start off your show. It's nice that we have any on, on the patio outside Lady Funkfish. It is, though. Yes, my uh, sister's inside. Keeping an eye on the children. Of course, Daphne don't go. The children, they want to come outside. Sit them at, 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 in the uh, cheese, Daphne. I don't, I don't want them to come to. They can see the aerial view of the fireworks. Show about shoot off. That we're going to see from downtown there. We got full view of it. I know. We're happy for July, everybody. I hope everybody enjoys July. We got some news. Crazy news. <sighs> they never stop shooting fireworks down here. They gonna shoot them all week long before and after for July. Now. Yeah, let's talk about cocaine gay. I need to feel good about something in shape. Yeah, it is true. Cocaine was found at the White House. Now they're scrambling around trying to wonder who it belongs to. 
Hey, I got a hello, excuse me, stepmama. It's hello, everybody. Beverly, you are so night rude. May I chime in and say something before I interrupt? I don't mean to interrupt you, but we have a, uh, since I am a millennial, um, yes, and, Okay, I know, okay, y'all didn't hear that, uh, Britney, oh, yeah, slap gay, Britney speak, got involved, uh, security guard slap Britney. When she trying to harass a basketball player. Well, anyway, that's just her way wanting to get some damn publicity. Go with cocaine, gates and Bibli, please don't end the room. Yes, we had a report right here. And I, I can't wait till you, you got something to say, MWS, about this. Whose line is it anyway? Everything I say, I could say conspiracy. Ha, ha, ha. Visitor in the White House dropped the cocaine and Republicans are going nuts. They're trying to blame it on Hunter Biden. And we all say that Republicans are losing. Breaking the Republican narrative about the cocaine discovered in the White House conspiracy. Cocaine, white, the White House, white honey is the White House. There you go. Breaking the all real day says she had sex with Donald Trump Jr. in a gay club bathroom. Oh, shit. Now, that's some shady shit right there. Cocaine in the White House, who can it be? Cocaine gate. We got a more reliable source. YouTube, show it. How we know sleeping sniffing it with with Hunter by the shakes dog son. In Washington, D.C., cocaine was found at the White House. Yeah, the White House complex was temporarily evacuated Sunday evening after someone found a powdery substance in a Ziploc bag. It was found in a work area of the West Wing. The fire department determined the substance was not hazardous. A field test showed it was cocaine, but it's not positive yet. Powder has been sent to a lab for further testing. Authorities now are working to find out how it got there. French. Because it ain't. It, it, well, it, it's it, official. It, I can say the words cocaine inside the White House and not be accused of auditioning as a writer or performer in a late night comedy routine. Why? Because testing has confirmed that the powdery substance, it's a phrase from the 80s I remember, found at the White House on Sunday was in fact cocaine. 
Secret Service agents found it on the ground floor of the West Wing in the area where visitors taking tours are directed to leave their phones. President Biden was at Camp David at the time. The COVID authorities are still working to identify the person who left it there. For more on this, Weijia Jang and Nicole Killian join us now. Weijia, CBS News senior White they House correspondent. Nicole, CBS it, it News congressional correspondent. I we must start with you at the White House. Weijia, catch us up on all that we have learned and what we still want to find out about the cocaine inside the West Wing. So, Major, the biggest question is who brought it inside the White House? And so far, the investigation has not answered that question. But the White House assures us that the U.S. Secret Service is leading this investigation and will use all of their resources to try to find out who it was, how this unfolded, and, you know, whether they need to update their security protocols um, in order to prevent this in the future. But to be clear, and, you know, both of you know this, having come here to the White House. When visitors come in, even if it's during a tour, there is a background check before they are permitted. They do have to go through the mags, but unlike TSA, there are not canine units here that are targeting illegal drugs. Um, and so, you know, we did speak to an analyst before who said that perhaps that is one reason why this wasn't immediately detected, because that is not what these teams are looking for. They're looking for biohazardous weapons and, um, you know, any other hazardous materials that could cause harm. Still, uh, that's not to say this is acceptable. In fact, the press secretary today, peppered with many questions about this, said that the president thinks it is very important to get to the bottom of who brought this in and uh, on how it happened. But the leading theory, according to three law enforcement officials, tell CBS News that they do believe it was someone who was on a tour here of the West Wing. Hillary Biden left it down. Um, y'all got egg on y'all face. How he gonna be a president and, and a man of moral character, which he ain't. And he got a, a cocaine sniffing sex dog money laundering son. Among other things, Sleepy Joe don't. <sighs> we have nothing to say about that. <sighs> Only thing I can say is that, um, it, uh, Hunter Biden just uh, putting a further uh, hole into uh, Joe Biden's re-election campaign. That's all he doing. If it is his, you know that's his shape. But um, I think Donald Trump need to worry about Chris Christie and the other Republican, like that DeSantis ad that put out by him about how he would support how Trump. Saying that he against the LGBTQ, but he pro LGBTQ. Don't change the subject, Stacy. Well, it is what it is. That ain't helping. Ain't nobody voting for no big fat man. Why you vote for that big orange Trump fat man? It's a different Trump. What what difference? Chris Christie looked like the fat man from Family Guy were out the places. Did I see him? So, hey, dude. Oh, oh, I'll be talking about him like that shit. Trump came with a name and bit the Trump is the worst thing that could ever. 
And he got there to call that man fat. He fat himself. Anyway, that's that. Let's talk about the acting music there. Yes, let's talk about the disaster where they were celebrating 50 years of hip-hop. Uh, the old artist came on, shout out, Jill, Jill Sky Girl, Lady Funky. Yes, I know, she turned the anthem unapologetic. She's still singing the hell out of it. You saw the pain all in her face. That lays on that sound like Lady Funk edition. National Anthem, 2023. And they mad and they call her, of course. They talking about her waiting. and That's what they do. Daily call a millionaire singer change national and sings about oppression. Your we talk about Megan Thee Stallion and the ratchet hip hop coach. Can you Ladies and gentlemen, at the affirmative at the turn of college and four, four black women jack kids got fired from Disney and shit. Let some mother come. Her song, she expressed the anger and the pain of black America. This is not. Yes, she did. Baby Betty and Whitney Houston, that shall ride. All I don't do with There's challenges. We are so diverse. We are so different. Unless you are in somebody's shoes, you'll never understand what it feels like. Music brings people together. 
and sings about oppression. Or, do, or say does this true hold anyway? Look at him. She needs to change that national anthem. No, hold on. No, let me say this, darling, because they complain when that woman, Cheryl Lee, she sang Lil Airy Voice and sing. The only anthem they like when Whitney Houston sang that shit. With a damn sweatsuit on. No, they ain't like it when Mickey Guyton sang it. She, that woman took all kind, that Punch took all kinds of uh, racial harassment all online and shit. To honor America and perform our national anthem, please welcome four-time Grammy-nominated country sensation with the voice of an angel, Mickey Guyton. They had a problem with her because she does country, that's all. There ain't no point saying that this is a national anthem, the Super Bowl. So did Demi Levy. But, oh. Oh, you know, Jill Scott just did her thing, shit. Well, anyway, Janelle Monite pulling her breast out and shit, talking some women in power. Lord knows, making these style. It was all, all elderly people there. People, Miss Helen A. was there. And Cole Davis age and all that shit. <sighs> they turned portion of the Essence Music Festival, turned like the BT and the Venus, and get paid. When then I found out sim a twenty nine year old Simulac boy put that shit together. And what y'all think about that? Eve M I A stole the show, Trini Rimmer, and all these fifty years of hip hop shit. India, India, I read. What y'all think about that?
Janelle Monet spoke her breath from Bro Talk with taking stage at Essence Fan. Um, yes, I understand. Um, that's too bad. Look, she got Janelle Monet, even though she confused sexually. She has a lot of talent because not only she she got some musical talent, but you know she played in that movie Hidden Figures as one of Santi. So he did the right. She don't get no pay on and shit. I figured she'd take her just That's like something that you know who would do. Taking out a playbook or the lab woman that did that with a Janie on during the 2023 Essence Music Festival on Friday in New Orleans. The I like that hitmaker. She did it unapologetically. And taking out of the you know notably admitted to the outlet that she feels much happier. No, it don't seem right. The Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery actress, could be seen wearing a black and white striped bikini top along with matching shorts as she took to the stage in front of the cheering crowd. The star additionally threw on a patterned hat that partially covered her long locks to complete her overall ensemble for the festivities. At one point during the night, the music artist lifted up the right side of the bikini top while on stage. The beauty who recently released her new album titled The Age of Pleasure on June 9th continued to belt out notes into the microphone during the action. At another point of the performance at the festival, which kicked off on Thursday, June 29th, Janelle was seen donning a floral embellished cape as well as a matching floral crown. Earlier this month, the actress promoting her latest album, The Age of Pleasure. The music artist seemed to have no qualms about posing topless for the outlet, placing her hands delicately across her bare breast. The Billboard Music Award winner looked like a queen wearing long gold chains as tendril. There were diamonds interspersed among the shoulder-length jewelry. She was a suit and white dress shirt, which references to her past style. The singer was asked by the interviewer what the biggest insecurity she has either worked on or has been overcoming. As she removed her suit jacket, Monty began to pat her breast and admitted, it's these, my boobies. I remember when I first started to wear my tuxedo, my breasts were not this big. They were smaller. With you no time, I started to get more curvy. My old shirts didn't work. I had to change my wardrobe and I was me, just really uncomfortable. Breasts, and also like my friends would comment on them, but they would always give me compliments like, you have the best boobies. Or if I get a bee job, I'm taking pictures of your bee and you would think that I should be like, yes. Ooh. Janelle admitted that I was very uncomfortable with the change that was happening. Like it took me years to get comfortable with my bee. It's probably why I'm like, woo, freedom. She further embraced the love of her body and her own body confidence by stating, I love my stretch marks. When I was getting stretch marks as a teen, I used to be really self-conscious of them. I mean, going swimming was like hell for me because I was like, oh my God, everybody's looking at my stretch marks. Now, she a nice looking girl, obviously. Oh, I agree with you, Rosie. Oh, well, well, well. I'm sure Mr. Mark, his name on that flashy brat. Well, you know, you know, she young, but she confused. But, but but hold you find you think she's very attractive, don't you, Audie? I'm sure you find her body. Well, yeah, she's nice looking, but she's younger. Because she's young. It's all right for her to flash her breast.
Lauren Hill, son. It'll be the next to almost steal the show. Well, these girls, I told y'all gonna talk about ratchet shit. We, we all. Perhaps we should go to commercial break. Lady Funkalich. Just again, Neil Ratchet. We didn't know how live, how live music sound. At, what's so ratchet about Jill Scott perform? Missy Elliott, fifty second birthday set to the most iconic show that year. Well, you know she did it for shock value and all that stuff like that. Anyway, we go to commercial break, Lady Faultless. Let's end it about the dang on um, Essence Fat Bait Tay, whatever, it's the same shit. We gonna talk about we got another breaking news about Madonna Harrogate. And as the camera goes off, stuff here looks at audience outside. Well, because I see that girl nice looking, uh, uh, with a young body and all that shit like that. I'm sure you find all them little ratchet black girls, what they call them. And you a hypocrite, oh, you don't want her to show her damn, oh, you don't even want her going on that stage and all that shit like that. She confused sexually. She thinks she would she say she bought if she wasn't confused sexually, better yet always would you like to bring her back into her womanhood? Hey, hey, a sex dog never changes his stripe. Anyway, we're gonna talk about the we'll discuss that later. In the final chapter of the episode, the debate game finalizes tonight's debate show episode with uh, the update. Madonna Health Update with breaking news. Okay, okay, y'all, we are back. And um, Delilah. We didn't, <clears throat> Sister T, we didn't do the word on the street. You know why? Oh. <clears throat> Triple A, 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 A. Because your set, because, because, because all the eyes was listed on Janelle Monet. And, you know, Stiffy ain't like it. I don't even want to discuss that. Or, or Roger's eyes was looking. 
But what about the Britney? We already don't discuss the Britney Stone already. I say it. Oh, yes, Lady Al, you saw it off. I love you. I love you, Trini. Yes, we got we got some insight to what happening with the material one. Um about her update. I mean not the update of her hair. Oh we just found out through sources. How we know this shit is true. Go ahead and find the article. Yes, I will. Well, basically, what 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 we found out is that she actually died December twenty. Um, damn it, girl! Oh, they got you upset. I get my mind together. July. <sighs> and and Clarice Excalibur's mind, Clarice. Then. And. Well, 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 Steffi, now you know how it feels. I told you all didn't know about sex, dog. And and you got that entertainment venue. And, and imagine a girl like Janelle Monet, who confused about her sexuality. Or still a little woman in Kirby, and she young. And that sex, dog, I can be your woman again. He ain't say nothing about Megan T. Stallion, cause all he don't like girls like this. <clears throat> Look good up here, you know. This how he is. Look comes around, goes around, I guess. Anyway, back to the to the the show. Okay, here it is, Lady Funkalish. And Ray Online is a reliable source. Madonna reportedly revived with Narcan after being found unresponsive. We knew Madonna was really going through it, but we had no idea it was this bad. The pop legend who allegedly revived with Narcan Last month after being admitted to the ICU, the material girl seen found unresponsive on June 24. Those who found her had used the injection of Narcan to revive her lifeless body. Radar online, although Narcan is most commonly used to treat life-threatening drug overdoses, the outlet claims that it is also used to treat septic shock, which Madonna is said to suffer from. There is no evidence that the Queen of Pop overdosed. Previous reports have said that Madonna found unresponsive in her home last month and was taken to New York Hospital. She was in, intubated for at least one night. Now, that brings it to this. If, um, 
if that night came, allegedly Chipotle had saved her life, why would she drag to the hospital and still put that tube, that, had that tube down her throat to pump life back in her? Something ain't adding up. I'm telling you, Lady F. Something ain't right. It's a conspiracy. Somebody trying to kill her. That's all I got to say. Or either her ass lucky as hell. <clears throat> I just have to say, Erica. <clears throat> Somebody is highly upset. Well, anyway, Stephanie, get, get yourself together. And just black that out of your mind. In my mind, Erica thinks in her mind. Now you know how it feels to have a man you love with. Or was love drooling over another woman. Um, something isn't adding up. I agree with what you're saying, cousin. Because what I understand, Narcan, that drug right there, which is an over-counter, and sometimes giving an injection to arm the weight people. I've seen videos of police officers when they catch this, um, they get a sniff, a hold of some fentanyl opioids. And they are found unresponsive. They give them that. They they come alive wide awake. Why would they drag her to the hospital and put that tube, that trick talk to me, that tube down her throat to revive her? Something doesn't sound right. And for being released from the hospital, um, I hate to say this, Therese, um, is it possible she could be on life support? There's more to the story, Lady Funkley. Oh, the outlet claimed that it is also a true safety shock, which Madonna is said to suffer from. There's no evidence that the Queen of Part over them. And we're going to read about safety shock because you was right, Steffi, about the. Um, the, the organs feeling and all that shit. It's her manager and shit. Try to kill her for one of them old youngest. The version singer manager got ulcery shit on Instagram that Madonna had developed a serious bacterial infection. Led to a several stay, day stay in the ICU. He explained she was still under medical care. It sounds like a cover of later AF. There you go, Clary, and these damn conspiracies again. Okay, this is the whole story from Radar Online. Radar Online uh, uh, tells a lot. They spill. You talking about somebody spilling the tea. This one do. Yes, it's the same radar online MWS that exposed Donald Trump business records and his bankruptcies. A daughter was revived by Narcan injection. Terrifying new details reveal Queen of Pop had to be brought back from the dead. My daughter brushed with death was far worse than anyone knows. Radar Online has exclusively been. Who are these people saying this shit? 
Tietti ti arlite now. Let her finish reading this take away MWF. When the Queen of oh, I get tired of saying that MWF. When the Queen of Pop was found unresponsive June twenty fourth, those who discovered her lifeless body forced to administer a Narcan. Who who are these people? They was I know they were the EMTs were forced to administer a Narcan injection, Schultz said. Narcan is an emergency medical treatment commonly used to reverse the life-threatening effects of a suspected overdose, but it is also used to reverse acute a condition Madonna said. Do we know that really proven? But you know it's also treated for people for fitting on. Over drug overdose, like fentanyl and opioid. That's what uh, uh, Prince died of fentanyl overdose. I had no doubt she on painkillers from that hip surgery and all those damn facial injections, MWS. The injection commonly held in medical treatment kits of the rich and famous considered useful to increase blood pressure. In the management of septic shock, a life-threatening condition that happens when blood pressure drops to a dangerously low level. There is nothing at all suggested here need Narcan for the effects of any drug use. A spokesperson for Madonna had no comment. So where could this stuff be? That's why I'm saying where this shit coming from. As Radar Online previously reported, the material girl singer 64 was intubated one night at a New York hospital before having the tube removed. The official explanation had been that a serious bacterial infection put her in intensive care. She had spent days hooked up to a ventilator while her family was told to expect the worst. Her eyes probably at home on a ventilator. She has spent days, okay, I read that. While Madonna is now learning, surrounded by family and friends, recovering at home, new detail about the medical drama had come to light. Radar Online had been told her 10-year-old twins, Esther and Stella, who graduated from elementary school, were at the family home at the time of the incident. The pop star, read that MWS. The pop star... What do you lying? The pop star was reportedly found by an assistant. Other report was saying that, that her no good seeming Latin daughter was by her side. Now, they all admit the son wasn't in town. No, her ass was nowhere to be found. And the assistant probably ain't. ain't. They got desperate. They saw her laying on the ground like she did, and they gave her that medicine to try to revive her. Only her two twin, them two little twin African girls was in the prison. That no good seemed like girl, like somebody said was in Paris the night that she happened. I wouldn't make surprise she had something She did it to herself, MWS. 
I don't know about completing pink with no Taylor Swift. And uh, 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 who that other girl they said pink? I'm sure Beyonce and some of these other women had something to do with it. The doll that pushed herself so hard to get ready for an 84 date world tour that she had relied upon painkillers to survive, sources say. Working overtime, but she clearly burnt herself out, and people around her have been politely reminding her that she is not 45 anymore, let alone 25. Source prudently said, comparing her younger star like Taylor Swift, Pink, uh, Swift and Pink. She needed to pace herself, pushing her sister. Maybe she, maybe she got debts that we don't know about. One friend went so far to express feeling Donna could have ended up like, yes, I got. It. Let me, let me try to read this poem. Anyways, one friend. Who are these people? One friend went so far as to express fear Madonna could have ended up like Michael, who died to lead up to his disease in 2009, June 25th, 2009. I remember that date. She allegedly died June 24. Ain't no medicine bring her ass back to life. That's, some damn, that's her fame praying for her. She ain't out the woods yet. They can pray for her old ass all they want to. I'm sorry, Mom, I got to say it. But if she don't, like you said, she got repent. I'm telling you, I know, Toy. This jet going to be a slow, painful death. She is dying for the, because of the sins of her race. She could have went. Think about it. She, she don't have close calls with death. Falling off a horse. That woman, some Christopher Reeve fell off a horse, Superman. And he was paralyzed. And eventually he died from those injuries yet later. Oh, some woman actress died falling off a horse, falling off a stage. Amongst other things, she could have died during childbirth. Giving birth to her children. I understand her second pregnancy almost took her out. I'm sure there'd been other times. Every time she claimed, the plane could have uh, crashed like Aaliyah. You don't think of those things. Now, God is taking her away now because she died for the sins of the race of her people. Unapologetic white America. That's why, that's why he doing it. It's going to be a slow, painful death. But what about when when Michael Jackson died, Barack became president of the United States? Oh, you can say that, sis. Right. Who to say she ain't been sacrificed for Joe Biden's old ass? Think about it, man. Uh-oh, another Roderick conspiracy. I thought about this too, man. You know how they say if Joe Biden died, Kamala Harris become president. Which I, was, I don't believe that, though. Taylor Swift, and they just replacement white women auditioning. I had no doubt, man. Because if you talk about terms of uh, a worldwide uh, box or, you know, a concert tour, she got all the records right, man, at Fall Concert Tour. I heard Celine Dion was saying, y'all know damn well. 
All she do is Vegas. Now Beyonce a takeover for good. Beyonce and the Ratchet Brigade. Beyonce, Cardi B, Vacancy Stallion, and all them. Take a Ice Spice Lado. Unless Lizzo Lou, wait, she ain't gonna be around. But man, that's what it is. The toy had been poked, blah, 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 blah. We know that. You and your damn elephant. Um. <laughs> you and your damn conspiracy, nigga. <clears throat> but that's interesting. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> let's look at what Norcane is. Accept it, y'all. Make this shit quick, too. Why sweetness, you won't sit. It's all kinds of drugs out here. Doctors explain how to wash your vagina, folks. I wash my stuff every day. Look, I don't know what you trying to do, trouble say all this shit. Okay, let's look at septic shock. Septic shock and knocking. Oh shit, said this shot with multiple amputation a survival story. Let me see, this is gonna be a, a fat black woman. That feeling I know what you if a fat if an old white black woman it can't survive it. I ain't, I ain't got nothing to do with her brain black. She old white. Really know she Because it spreads quickly, sepsis ends up causing more deaths than prostate cancer, breast cancer, and AIDS combined. Our medical specialist, Christy Kruger, takes a closer look at how a simple cut or infection can quickly take a tragic turn. In her executive assistant role at Nova Southeastern University, Karen Reinford Perez works closely with health professionals every day. Still, when she was diagnosed with a potentially deadly condition, she and her co-workers were shocked. 
It all began with what Karen thought was the stomach flu. I'm not a complainer. So you, and that's what we tend to do. You push through the symptoms of what you're feeling because it's going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to, and it, it didn't get better, it got worse. Karen went to the emergency room but quickly found herself in the ICU. The diagnosis, sepsis. Sepsis essentially is something that happens as a result of infection that goes undiagnosed and untreated. And that's important to know because essentially it can happen to any of us. So this Microbiologist Dr. Bindu Mai teaches health students about the signs of sepsis, which is the body's extreme response to common bacterial infections. The symptoms include shivering or fever, pain or discomfort, confusion, trouble breathing, and a high heart rate. Dr. Mai told me educating everyone about sepsis is now her passion. The condition took her twin sister's life after she was burned in a house fire. She was so much better than I at everything. I couldn't quite comprehend why I would survive and she didn't. Um, so I, I think it's essential for me to make my life mean something. As for Karen, she knows how lucky she is to be alive. Common <laughs> bacterial infections. The symptoms include shivering or fever, pain or discomfort, confusion, trouble breathing, and a high heart rate. Dr. Mai told me educating everyone about sepsis is now her passion. The condition took her twin sister's life after she was burned in a house fire. She was so much better than I at everything. I couldn't quite comprehend why I would survive and she didn't. Um, so I, I think it's essential for me to make my life mean something. As for Karen, she knows how lucky she is to be alive. I feel great. <laughs> I got the um, treatment necessary and um, it hurt kind learned of. things about my body that I didn't know. And I learned the most, the thing I learned the most is that don't ignore the symptoms. It was scary. Yeah, it really is. Okay, let's see it here. So in this video, we're sepsis. going to be discussing the stages of sepsis. So in this video, we'll talk about uh, the first step, severe sepsis, severe sepsis, septic shock, and uh, multi-organ dysfunction syndrome. So before sepsis, there is something called uh, systemic inflammatory wow, response syndrome, also known as SEERS, or however you'd like to pronounce that. Basically, the requirements for somebody being diagnosed with systemic inflammatory response syndrome is two or more of the following symptoms. And this can be any, any two combined. So hyperthermia or hypothermia. So either above 38 degrees Celsius or below 36 degrees Celsius. A heart rate of greater than 90 beats per minute. These are often the, uh, the two, two most common ones. Respiration rate of greater than 20 breaths per minute and a white blood self count of uh, over 12,000 units a liter is um, also indicative, is also a um, qualifier for systemic inflammatory response syndrome. One important thing to point out is that each one of these criteria needs to be taken with a grain of salt because some some patients they naturally have a heart rate above 90 beats per minute they would have that whether they're having an infection or not this is something as a nurse or a medic or or whoever you are you need to take into consideration before you uh you immediately jump to conclusions so sepsis is very similar to systemic 
uh, inflammatory response syndrome with the point that it is in response to an infection and basically an infective pathogen has been confirmed this is a perfect example of of the combination between an infection and systemic inflammatory response syndrome so you can have systemic inflammatory response syndrome and it not be not be sepsis but once you combine it with an infection as you can see in this middle overlap that's what creates the sepsis and and really that's the only difference is once you've identified an infection so after sepsis comes severe sepsis and basically you're just building on at this point so it's everything mentioned previously plus it's a sepsis associated with an organ dysfunction or hypoperfusion to an organ basically now there's a specific organ in the body that is being affected by the sepsis septic shock is everything we talked about before including hypotension and it's important to remember that it's hypotension despite adequate fluid resuscitation along with the presence of perfusion abnormalities so even though you're trying to fill this patient with fluids and uh, resuscitate them with fluids it is not working and they are hypotensive and this is resulting in septic shock and an easy way to remember this is normal normal shock when a patient goes into shock they also experience hypotension the final step is multi-organ dysfunction syndrome also known as mods and um, what you need to know about this is that uh, it's the pre basically everything we mentioned before and it's a severely altered organ dysfunction in an acutely ill patient again remember you have to take in consideration the entire patient as a whole just because uh, a patient is having problems with their kidneys doesn't mean they're going through multiple organ dysfunction syndrome as a result of of uh, sepsis it, it's not it, it, they could have been having problems with their kidneys beforehand and um, it's important to remember that basically it has to be caused by the sepsis and uh, that's what basically what I mentioned here only when directly caused yeah, he'll have infection. a PDA vomiting. So that's all. Thanks for watching. Comment a uh, new video suggestion below. Any questions, comment below as hey, well. no okay. real damn dolphin shape. I went on vacation for my okay, five-year wedding anniversary with my husband, Daniel, to the Caribbean. It was paradise. It was the most beautiful vacation hey, I've probably ever taken. Um... You wake up and the scenery was just beautiful. So a week after I came back from vacation, I started having fevers. So when I went to the emergency department um, near my house, the triage nurse asked me when my last menstrual cycle was, um, and then thought she would just run a random um, pregnancy test. I waited in the emergency room for an extended period of time, I'm talking about four to five hours. Um, within that period, she did come in and tell me that um, I was pregnant, so that was a huge shocker for me because um, I was not thinking that I was pregnant at that time. The emergency room doctors thought that there was something wrong with my heart and they wanted to actually transfer me to their ICU because um, they thought maybe I needed a cath done. Um, 
then cardiology came in and said, no, she just has myocarditis. It's probably just inflammation of her heart. And then I was discharged. So I went from going to ICU to then being discharged. Two weeks after leaving that emergency room and seeing a couple more doctors, I felt like my heart was just pounding out of my chest. I knew that um, Cooper was the lead hospital in the ICU New Jersey Quality Collaborative. So we came to the emergency department here at Cooper Hospital. When I arrived at Cooper, um, I was exhibiting fever, chills, chest pains. I immediately went into triage. Um, they took me right in. Um, the triage nurse was very aggressive in her approach, and an EKG was done right in the triage area. I explained to her my history and what was going on for the course of about four weeks now at this point. And she said, you're tachycardic, and I'm taking you right back. Alicia had septic shock. Uh, she was at uh, risk of dying uh, and because she couldn't keep her blood pressure up. Sepsis is when an She had a, oh, oh, oh. She went in the hospital and got treated for, she found she was pregnant and then, I guess she laid it for me. Girl, you probably been misdiagnosed. When you went that last pregnancy and you went and that I was pregnant at that time. The emergency room doctors thought that there was something wrong with my heart and they wanted to actually transfer me to their ICU because um, they thought maybe I needed a catheter done. Um, then cardiology came in and said, no, she just has myocarditis. It's probably just inflammation of her heart. And then I was discharged. So I went from going to ICU to then being discharged. Two weeks after leaving that emergency room and seeing a couple more doctors, I felt like my heart was just pounding out of my chest. I knew that um, Cooper was the lead hospital in the ICU New Jersey Quality Collaborative, what so we came to the emergency department here at Cooper Hospital. When I arrived at Cooper, um, I was exhibiting fever, chills, chest pains. I immediately went into triage. Um, they took me right in. Um, the triage nurse was very aggressive in her approach, and an EKG was done right in the triage area. I explained to her my history and what was going on for the course of about four weeks now at this point. And she said, you're tachycardic, and I'm taking you right back. Alicia had septic shock. Uh, she was at uh, risk of dying. Uh, and because she couldn't keep her blood pressure up. Sepsis is when an infection gets into the bloodstream uh, and it produces systemic or total body changes. Alicia had the most severe form of sepsis. Uh, it can injure the lungs, the kidneys, and perhaps the most potentially devastating manifestation of sepsis is when it involves the cardiovascular system, the heart and blood vessels and the person can't keep their blood pressure up compatible with life. We call that septic shock. I do remember um, the resident, the OB resident coming in um, and doing an exam, and I remember telling them that I was pregnant. And then they walked in and told me that um, they no longer heard a heartbeat. I um, did have a miscarriage um, as a result of septic shock. They realized that I was going into multi-organ um, failure at that time and immediately thought that I needed to get a higher level of care and go to the ICU.
when the physician came in and told me I had to go on a ventilator, I think that was the point in time that I realized how bad I was. Um, and I remember saying, no, I don't want to go on a ventilator. Um, and that's all I remember. We knew she had septic shock. We suspected it was a bacteria. The fact that she had been in the Caribbean on vacation um, it made us think, was this something that perhaps she got on that vacation? And in the end, we did find that it was a bacteria, salmonella, typhoid that was linked to the area that she had and let me hit it. When the physician came in and told me I had to go on a ventilator, I think that was the point in time that I realized how bad I was. Um, and I remember saying, no, I don't want to go on a ventilator. Um, and that's all I remember. We knew she had septic shock. We suspected it was a bacteria. The fact that she had been in the Caribbean on vacation um, made us think, was this something that perhaps she got on that vacation? And in the end, we did find that it was a bacteria, salmonella, typhoid, that was linked to the area that she had been in, because it's not an organism that we typically see in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. My husband went through a lot through this entire ordeal. I mean, at the time, he had two young girls that he had to care for. He had to sit there and watch me on a ventilator. I couldn't move, I couldn't talk. And he told me that it wasn't until the Monday, um, that she Monday morning. Um, which that was... That's what I'm saying. They making up all these lies. And Rose, you don't fat ass crazy as a loon too, anyway. And see, she was there talking... Um, with doing better, you see her up talking and everything. The area and that she had been in, because it's not an organism that we typically see in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. My husband went through a lot through this entire ordeal. I mean, at the time, he had two young girls that he had to care for. He had to sit there and watch me on a ventilator. I, I know move, I couldn't talk. And he told me that it wasn't until the Monday, um, that Monday morning, um, which it was a couple hours after I got here um, that they came to him and said that it was a strain of typhoid fever. And that was the first time we had the diagnosis um, after being sick for such a long time. And he turned to my mother at the time and said, Cooper figured it out, they figured it out. It's typhoid fever. Things were still getting worse, so we were very concerned about Alicia. We have a, a research trial here uh, called Euphrates. Uh, which is a different uh, type of approach to research in septic shock. Uh, we put a catheter into a large vein in the leg and we run the blood through a kidney-like uh, dialysis machine and we have a, a filter uh, that is lined with substance that sucks the endotoxin out of the bloodstream. So we actually remove it from the body. This was a what we call a randomized placebo control Girl, study, uh, where she, Can you the flip of a coin, she would either get this new therapy uh, or she would get placebo, which means nothing, added to her current therapy. I was crashing and my husband knew that I was deteriorating at that point. And Dr. Dillinger was very resourceful in helping my family make a really tough decision on um, being part of this trial. Vital signs started coming back, um, skin color was back, and um, my heart rate was looking good, and 
um, the decision was made that I can be extubated and I didn't need to be on a vent anymore. I still don't know today, uh, and it's almost two years ago, uh, whether Alicia got the real treatment or the fake treatment. Uh, I'm not supposed to know. She was very sick, not getting better, and then she got very quickly better over 24 hours. Uh, I would like to think she got the treatment. We won't know the answer to that question until the trial is over and the analysis is done. I was extubated on Saturday morning, um, and within about 24 hours, with the assistance, of course, of help, um, I was able to leave the ICU and go to a regular floor, and um, I was discharged on Tuesday. I'm glad to be alive. I thank God and I thank Cooper Hospital for that. <laughs> I remember her. I love her. She did great. A year later, after this entire ordeal, I um, got pregnant, and at the time I had two girls, um, and I've always wanted to have a little boy. So I now have a four-month-old son um, whose name is Daniel Moses, and Aww. I came back to Cooper um, to deliver him, so it was kind of like a full circle. The OB resident that was involved in my care a year ago, um, well, two years at that time, um, was the one that delivered my baby. Um, so we were like all in the room crying and um, she, she was great. She, she was hugging me, I was hugging her and um, she was just so happy that I was alive. And everyone was just so excited for me. You know, that brought back bad memories that you be on it. You delivered the sex to this sweetness. And how we almost lost. I don't know about no sepsis or anything like that. Treating blood and fashion pneumonia. Celtic and multi organ fat. Every moment is critical. I think her ass got new back, probably had pneumonia, and it was HIV or AIDS related. It could have been all, 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 all. Cause uh, maybe her going on in African country, maybe. Her decadent lifestyle and all of that. Now, God, this person being animals. Good morning and welcome to yeah. day two of the Sepsis Alliance Summit. My name is Katie Granger, and I'm a proud member of the board of directors of Sepsis Alliance. In my bed, a few minutes later, I was completely passed out. And I do remember this. I remember hearing her say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Katie, oh my gosh. And I, had, I remember my eyes were closed like I was sleeping and I remember thinking, wow, I must really be sick because she is really being dramatic. Well, Tiffany came and got me and she saw that I was naked in bed. I must have taken a shower and crawled into bed. It was really hot there in our room. So she tried to get me dressed, but I was completely unable to help. So she eventually threw a t-shirt on me, wrapped me in a blanket, 
and then help me stand up to walk me to the car. But that's when I realized that my feet were so sore that I couldn't walk. So Tiffany sat down on my hardwood floors with me and she helped me scooch across the floor. She helped me scooch down the stairs because our house is on the second level. And then she carried me out to the back seat of her car, something I will forever be grateful for. It was an hour ride to the hospital and about 20 minutes away, I started crying in the back seat. And I said, oh my gosh, Tiffany, are we there yet? I am in so much pain, I'm so sick. I've never been so sick. I just started complaining and she was really scared. The worst thing that I said is I said, my hands and feet, they're on fire. Please hurry, please get me there. And this really alarmed her. So she called the hospital and said, I thought she had the flu, but it seems like it's something way worse. Her hands and feet are on fire. You need to meet us with a gurney and we're coming in in about 10 minutes. So when we got the hospital, they did meet us with a gurney. I don't have any real memories of this time, but I do have the hospital chart when they checked me in. They said that I was pale and ashen. I had a dangerously low blood pressure of only 52 over 31. My pulse was racing at 119. My breathing rate and my temperature were actually fairly normal. My breathing rate was 18, which is a little high, but nothing to be alarmed at. And my temperature was 97. But with sepsis, your temperature can be high or low, something I didn't know, but that the doctors knew. And then, as I mentioned, it was determined that I had that broken foot. And they saw the abrasions on my knee and the sprain in my ankle and noted that it was consistent with a fall and even loss of consciousness. I suggested that I had had vomiting and diarrhea that day. They saw signs of dehydration. My kidneys were showing signs of failing. They diagnosed me with significant septic shock. Wilcox Medical Center is a tiny hospital on an island of only 72,000 people, but they had a clear sepsis protocol. They gave me immediate fluids. They withdrew blood so that they could test for pathogens that might be causing my infection and causing me to be so ill and they gave me broad spectrum antibiotics through the IV. They also gave me a catheter because I didn't have any urinary output and I was receiving oxygen through a nasal cannula. From the very beginning, me and my friends started requesting that if I was really sick, we wanted to go over to Oahu, which is where Honolulu is, to the only level one trauma center in the islands, Queens Medical Center. So the doctor checked into it and he came back and he said, I'm sorry, but there's no beds available. Even pre-COVID, on, on an ordinary weekend, there were no beds available in the hospital for me. My symptom is being treated by the very, very best doctors that we have because she is literally the sickest person we have in the hospital. Oh, nutritionist yeah, because I had lost, oh, overall I ended up losing 20 pounds, which was about 20% of my body weight. And um, they actually diagnosed me as being extremely malnourished at one point by the time I Once again, he took my face in his hands and he put his forehead against mine and he said, babe, it's going to be okay. We're in this together. We got this. Okay, you don't need to do this anymore. And I knew that he had my back and that I was done with this, but we would have a big journey ahead. We went back to our room and we decided that it would be best to transfer our family back to Seattle for my medical care. We still had our house there. We meant to sell it, but we never got around to it because we kept I don't know about that, but, uh... There's another, um, clip on here. <clears throat> Facing death. 
MWS. There's a tremendous pressure now to reduce care to numbers, as though there's an algorithm for every decision. When you look at, you know, Medicare data on expenditures at end of life, and what is very glibly termed waste. You know, 30% of all care is waste. That's the new mantra. It's very hard to know what that means. And it's very hard to bring that out of Washington and into a hospital and at the bedside with a single individual facing death. years old. He had a massive stroke two years ago and has been living in a nursing home. His cost of care is covered by Medicaid. He was here two months ago, here, also with pneumonia. He got better. They sent him back to the nursing home and came back in Tuesday. And since then, he's been on the machine. When Robert came into the hospital with pneumonia, he had a cardiac arrest and was resuscitated. That's all I heard. Later in the intensive care unit for over a week. The first two days, he was listening to me because he would, I would tell him, Bobby, if you hear That's me, don't touch care. my hand. Watch if you every are body system cool, black, white, for yellow, years, green, whatever. Because you can keep their lungs breathing and keep their heart beating, keep their blood pressure up and keep their blood flowing that suspended animation state goes on forever. And so the decisions at the end of life have become much more complicated for everyone involved. As healthcare costs continue to escalate, there is growing concern over the billions of dollars that Americans now spend each year on end-of-life care. There's a tremendous pressure now to reduce care to numbers, as though there's an algorithm for every decision. When you look at, you know, Medicare data on expenditures at end of life, and what is very glibly termed waste, you know, 30% of all care is waste. That's the new mantra. It's very hard to know what that means. And it's very hard to bring that out of Washington and into a hospital and at the bedside with a single individual facing death. Hi. Can you squeeze my hand? There you go. I'm going to put your head down. Robert Bernardini is 47 years old. He had a massive stroke two years ago and has been living in a nursing home. His cost of care is covered by Medicaid. He was here two months ago, here, also with pneumonia. He got better. They sent him back to the nursing home and came back in Tuesday. And since then, he's been on the machine. When Robert came into the hospital with pneumonia, he had a cardiac arrest and was resuscitated.
He has now been on a ventilator in the intensive care unit for over a week. The first two days, he was listening to me because he would, I would tell him, Bobby, if you hear me, touch my hands, and he would. But now, I don't know what it is. That it's not happening like that anymore. or healthcare pro, it may not be her manager. It can only be one or two people. You got to be her daughter, no good seeming that though, or 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 one of her old sisters and shit. Clarice looks at gee. I trust you, Deborah. In a perfect world, I know what you're saying. The patient okay. designates a healthcare proxy and has a discussion about what their preferences would be at the end of life. But many of the patients who end up in the intensive care unit, those discussions have never happened in the critical care doctors. And this causes a tremendous amount of burden for everybody because they now have to make life or death decisions for somebody else. So we know. Don't even try it, sis. Cause I remember when our mother, oh, oh, was what you call, and you called yourself. I would to call you take on my our mother and show you it. <sighs> Mama laid there on her deathbed and said, you wasn't no good. Heavy sedation we're providing. So what happens is, is that most of the care and interventions are discussed with the healthcare decision maker, who may be a family member or a healthcare proxy. In a perfect world, the patient designates a healthcare proxy and has a discussion about what their preferences would be at the end of life. But many of the patients who end Quit up in your the line, Clarence. I died, came back from my European trip. We we made sure our mother was taking care of you. Made sure that the um um oh, the, the the hospice care was in place and all that. Well, I will say you did um, make the arrangements and all that, because then you do have a family. Thank you. Calvin ain't do shit. And T couldn't handle it. T moved in the house and couldn't do anything. Uh, yes, I know what that's like, Excalibur. Those discussions have never happened. Cannot communicate because of either their underlying illness or because of the heavy sedation we're providing. So what happens is, is that most of the care and interventions are discussed with the healthcare decision maker, who may be a family member or a healthcare proxy. In a perfect world... We gonna loot that up. That's like an appointed physician for the family. Like, a, or a nurse. Um... Dude, that girl don't strike me as that type. She gonna go on Instagram and post a, a, a picture of her She too busy trying to promote her own damn career and shit. This, this, this girl praised it, Lady Gaga over her own mother. Talking about loyalty and shit. Disloyalty that is. 
the patient designates a healthcare proxy and has a discussion about what their preferences you would be at the end of life. And who knows what but many of the patients who end up in the intensive care, probably, those discussions have never happened in the critical care doctors. And this causes a tremendous amount of burden for everybody because they now have to and the boy make was saying life or death that. decisions for somebody. This will happen when you don't, when you're a single mother. See, and you don't have no husband. You won't talk, you couldn't handle all, all, all stiffy, all just, yeah, I'll, I'll doing that dip hope. But still it pays to have a spouse. Somebody else. So, have never you know, young. And this causes a tremendous amount of burden for everybody. The darling, I was young when, 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 when I lost my mother. Were you different? And yes, that's when all of us siblings had born together. But, but you know, I, I took it, you're right. Um, I wasn't going on no social media. The girl, Clarice, got a point on that. She was in Paris when it happened. Of course, she flew back to see what she, if something wrong with her. And then you don't go and post pictures on some damn social media and your mother uh, could possibly be dying. Thank you. Because they now have to make life or death decisions for somebody else. So, we know that he had his underlying problems, right? So he has uh, his emphysema, and uh, we know he's had a stroke, and, uh, and his underlying HIV uh, as well. Did you hate it? From the standpoint of his brain, uh, he got HIV. Right, so he has uh, his emphysema, and uh, we know he's had a stroke, and, uh, right, so he has, uh, his emphysema, and, uh, we know he's had a stroke. Nearly 95% of our patients cannot communicate because of either their underlying illness or because of the heavy sedation we're providing. So what happens is, is that most of the care and interventions are discussed with the healthcare decision maker, who may be a family member or a healthcare proxy. In a perfect world, the patient designates a healthcare proxy and has a discussion about what their preferences would be at the end of life. But many of the patients who end up in the intensive care unit, those discussions have never happened in the critical care doctors. And this causes a tremendous amount of burden for everybody because they now have to make life or death decisions for somebody else. So. We know that he had his underlying problems, right? So he has uh, his emphysema, and uh, we know he's had a stroke, and, uh, and his underlying HIV uh, as well. From the standpoint of his brain, uh, it's unclear whether he's had long-term damage from the cardiac arrest, but it does appear that uh, he's waking up. The bigger problem, I think, right now is his lungs. If we're unable to safely get him off the artificial respirator, removes the tube safely, then the next step is what we call a tracheotomy. What is uh, this? Right, right. But there is a tremendous amount of pain and suffering that can go along with that as well. It will certainly prolong his life. The question is, will it improve it?
I don't know what yeah, to or do they about keep this. Should I just let them keep living in this condition? I don't know. I don't want him to suffer anymore. No, he I mean, I'm suffering, and I know he is also. I can't handle this no more. But I just hope that I make the right choice. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. These are decisions about whether people are going to be alive or not alive. And if they are alive, if they're going to be living with dependence on life supports or not, or in a quality of life that may or may not be acceptable to them. The risk is that somebody ends up in a position that they absolutely do not want to be in, and they are very vulnerable and voiceless and cannot extricate themselves from that position. So she is very, very wasted, um, you know, very poor nutritional status. She's had multiple amputations of her digits from her underlying disease. Dang. Diana Reed is 31 years old and has scleroderma, a progressive disease that causes the skin to tighten and major organs to shut down. You've got a patient who's in shock. And a when she first came to the ICU two weeks ago, she was in respiratory distress and had to be intubated. That's how I like Diana told down. doctors that she did not want to be permanently dependent on machines. Her family is not ready to take her off the ventilator. Now let's address the family situation because we did meet with them yesterday and they're coming back in today. Um, and we have some difficult issues that we've got to address with them. Yeah, We're doing it, giving her every form of support that we can for all of her organs. She's getting maximum support from the respirator. She's getting medication to keep her blood pressure up. Her kidneys really haven't been working. There are clinical situations where the odds are so overwhelming that someone can survive the hospitalization in a condition that they would find acceptable. Then using this technology to support the physiology of the patient doesn't make sense. And yet, for almost everybody involved, it feels much more difficult to stop something that's already been started. Um, right now, I want to keep her the way she is on the respirator. You want her on the respirator? Yes. Okay. All right, we're going to end this now. Continuation of the Dollar Death Gate Part 2. The lady, I'm listening to a documentary about death. Martha Morrigal is 86 years old and has dementia. She has been intubated for two weeks, and now her daughters, Nadege, a nurse, and Shirley, a physician, have to decide whether to remove her from the ventilator. This up her so if we take the tube out, it's highly likely that at some point it's going to have to go back in. 
if we do that, we're going to be exactly where we are right now again. I would go for the drink, and that's what I think mother would have wanted and respected. And, and the quality they the quality made of life, you know, they meant to be seen because we know that, you know, that I'll say it's too soon you know, they won't be better tomorrow, know what I can what I know. But, you know, we don't know how long exactly she's going to survive. Are we betting on how many days, how many months, how many weeks, you know, we don't know. You never really want to impose your own personal morals and, or beliefs on her. And she at that age, we don't even know what she got. You're right, it do sound she had a stroke. And underlined, like I say, just the thing. I bet that when she got HIV or something. With regards to a decision, and they people just cannot answer. stay on a ventilator but he, oh, for okay. a long time, giving the possibility of infections and other uh, you know, problems that may arise. If it's successful, we remove the tube, she's able to breathe on her own. The question is, if we remove the tube and she does not breathe on her own, what should we do? First of all, I want to know if she needs to be reintubated again. Can she be placed the same way back uh, orally, and if so, how long? Or does she have to have a trick, an actual surgical trick? OK, so I think it's important to realize that what got her intubated is that she aspirated, not on food, likely, but just her own secretions. And that's a part of the natural history of dementia. So that will happen again. So if we take the tube out, it's highly likely that at some point it's going to have to go back in. If we do that, we're going to be exactly where we are right now, again. I would go for the drink, and that's what I think mother would have wanted and respected. And, and the quality? The quality of life, you know, do meant to be seen, because we know that, you know, that Alzheimer's is progressing. You know, we don't know if she's going to be better tomorrow or she's not improving, but, you know, we don't know how long exactly she's going to survive. Are we betting on how many days, how many months, how many weeks, you know, we don't know. You never really want to impose your own personal morals or beliefs on a family. But, I mean, the truth is, I thought that probably the most humane thing to do would be to take the tube out and to see if she could breathe, and if she couldn't, then to just make sure she was comfortable. But that's my own personal bias. The family voted two to one that if the extubation failed, they would do the tracheotomy. Okay. Exhale. Exhale. She's breathing. Respiration 18. Heart rate 104. People surprise us all the time. Patients that we didn't think could breathe do breathe, and people we didn't think would get off life support do get off life support. So every time it's scary because you're afraid that maybe you're guiding someone to stop treatment when maybe that's pretty have a new job experience. It's very, very fine. Life. And relative yeah. pay. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. 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 You're welcome.
there's always a tail end of the curve. There's a group of people who defy expectations. I'm six weeks back to normal. It's uh, 11 months, and they have no answers. We are just still debating about what to give you. We don't want to harm you. We want to help you. We're still looking for donors for you. If I have another stem cell transplant, I would have to get stronger, heavier, right? Because the chemo treatment would. The significant other came and said this morning that he told her he wanted, he was tired, and he wanted to, if any, to be a DNR. He still wanted everything done. A patient's girlfriend has just told doctors that he wants to sign a do not resuscitate order. A DNR. Norman Smelly has been in the hospital for two months, suffering from life-threatening complications of his transplant. Tell me, what's happening? Are you having pain in your belly? Uh, healthcare proxy. But uh, let me tell you, I don't want to see him suffering. You know, people poking him, that's it. Nowadays... Okay, we see now. Healthcare health key props help keep proxy power of attorney yeah that's somebody that's talking your medical decision power of attorney and a health care proxy. Well, first of all, folks, there are some similarities with these documents that you have to understand. Both of these documents are agencies, and you create these agencies in writing. And in each document, you're going to appoint an agent to act on your behalf in a different scope. Now, these documents will exist for as long as you're alive, and when you pass away, these documents go away. Now, as for a durable power of attorney, once again, as I mentioned, this is an agency that you've been writing. And what you're going to do, a friend, a loved one, somebody of high trust, a fiduciary, to handle your affairs for you if you should not be able to do so. Now, with a durable power of attorney, there are different types of powers that you're going to give your agent, and they're very important. Some of these important powers are going to be to handle your investments, to handle your bank accounts and to handle your real estate not only to manage your real estate but the power to sell your real estate now do you think that damn girl mature enough to deal with all that shit her mother is on deadbeat these the things that we had to deal with when mama was dying let alone clarity what you tried to all right, I admit, she tried, yeah, we know, we know that, uh, we heard about that. Sister, you trying to take the whole damn pot of gold. I was under the rats. I felt I wasn't getting much help, shit. And Deborah stopped the rat. Especially if, for some reason, you're not able to make your own decisions and there's a plan that needs to be put in place where the real estate needs to be transferred. 
other types of important powers that your power of attorney will have. There'll be the power of your agent to represent you in front of a governmental body like Medicaid, MassHealth in Massachusetts. And without that power, your agent wouldn't be able to actually file for benefits for you. Another important power would be for your agent to represent you in a court of law, whether it be probate or any other type of uh, action. And once again, this Real is important because if there is a probate trust. action necessary for your care, you will have your agent there who you've already appointed prior to your incapacity. So with respect to a health care proxy, in some states it might be confused with the power of attorney because it's, because it's called a power of attorney for health care. But with a health care proxy, this falls under the category of an advanced directive. And what an advanced directive is, is pretty much you giving direction prior to you getting sick that you want somebody to help you in that scenario. Now with a healthcare proxy, again, you're going to appoint an agent, someone that's going to step into your shoes only if you're not able to make your own decisions. This is a little different from the power of attorney, right? That we just talked about. Power of attorney mostly deals with your stuff and some other special powers. With a healthcare proxy, you're going to appoint an agent who's going to step into your shoes only if you get sick. So if you get sick, the healthcare proxy comes into play, and then you get better again, the health, the power to your healthcare agent goes away while you're competent. But back to what a healthcare proxy can do. So your agent will be allowed to step into your shoes, receive the information about your treatment from the doctors, and make decisions with respect to your treatment and this is only if you can't do that. Now, there is another form. Okay, who would you make your, your medical decision? This shit didn't know. I'm the IntensiveD, a double board certified intensivist, here to give you an inside look into the intensive care unit. Today, we're gonna discuss who would make your medical decisions if you're not able to. Many times in the intensive care unit, We'll have a patient who comes in already on life support. Sometimes they might have been found collapsed or they just you know, come in alone and get worse in the emergency room and then need to be placed on life support. Before I put somebody on the ventilator, if they're able to talk to me, I ask them, you know, if you can't talk to me, who's gonna make your medical decisions? But there's many cases where we can't have this conversation beforehand because things are so emergent. So there's two different ways of going about this. The first is finding out if the patient has a medical power of attorney. This means that they filled out legal paperwork that designated someone to be their medical decision maker in the event that they cannot make right. their own decisions for whatever yeah, reason. Do this is part of the process of yeah. making your advanced directives. So part of that process is assigning one person and typically an alternate person as well to make your medical decisions. The medical power of attorney is assigned as long as that paperwork exists. There's no expiration. It's either the patient dies or the patient may revoke it and redo the paperwork and assign it to somebody else. But if those things do not happen, then whoever is written on that piece of paper is who is the legal medical decision maker. The medical and power I of attorney is only called upon when the patient cannot speak for no themselves. Idea. So if they have a power of attorney assigned 
but they're able to make their own decisions and we talk directly to the patient and they make their own decisions and the, the medical power of attorney does not have any say in what is going on because the patient's competent in making their own decisions. So you might be thinking, well, who do I select to be my medical power of attorney? So this is a personal choice. It is somebody that you trust to execute your wishes as written. It would be somebody who, if you were critically ill in a situation where you cannot speak for yourself, you trust that this person will be your voice and say, this is what they've told me in the past, this is what's written in their directives, so this is what we are going to do. So obviously you want to tell your medical power of attorney what your specific wishes are in different scenarios. And it would be best to ask this person, you know, if they're willing to do that for you, because some people do not want that responsibility of having the medical team calling them and asking them, you know, these are the things that we'd like to do. Do you give consent or not? And we involve the medical power of attorney in making a lot of end of life decisions if the patient cannot speak for themselves. So these are very difficult and heavy decisions. So you want to make sure that they know what you want and that they're willing to be your voice in these situations. So that would be the first route is finding if this person has any written directives. Many times it'll already be in our hospital chart if they're somebody who frequents our hospital system or if their primary care physician is linked to our healthcare system and they've already filled it out with their primary care doctor or if many times patients if they know they're coming to the hospital they'll bring in the paperwork or their medical power of attorney will come and bring the paperwork once they know the patient has been hospitalized so as long as we have a copy of that paper and we see the legal document that person is the decision maker Many times people select their spouse or an adult child or one of their parents, so it is typically somebody related to them, but there are situations where somebody has selected a friend, one of their pastors, so you can pick anybody over the age of 18. So in the event that somebody has not completed this paperwork, we go to what is called the next of kin. This is the next person directly related to this patient who is over the age of 18. The next of kin I'm going to go through is specific for my state. It varies state by state, but overall the order is typically the same. And the order I'm discussing is in the case of an adult patient. If the patient is a child, most likely the next of kin is the parent and then goes on. But I know there's a slight difference when it is a child. So the first person that we try to locate is the patient's spouse. So and she got the obvious no choice, whoever their partner is and they're legally married, we seek this person out. And many times they would have been the person who brought them to the hospital anyway. Some things to note with this, if the patient is not legally divorced, but separated or estranged from their partner, it does not matter how much time they've been separated, they're still legally married and they're still the legal decision maker. We can go to that person and they say, you know, I haven't seen this person in decades. I don't want to make their medical decision. I'm going to defer to somebody else. That's fine. But I have had situations where we've found a husband who has been estranged for 20 years who was like, yeah, I want to make their medical decisions. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're not legally divorced, then your spouse, whether you're 
separate it, estranged, or if they're in the picture or not, it does not matter. They are still legally your spouse, so they are still legally your decision maker. Another situation is common law marriage, because some people will come and say, you know, we're common law, but common law marriages do not exist in all states. This is a misconception. Some people believe if you've been living together X amount of time, then you're common law married. I previously practiced in North Carolina in my past job, and we did not recognize common law marriages. We only recognized legal marriages. So if somebody came and they said they were common law, then they were not able to make the medical decisions. We had to go to the next person in line. But I currently practice in Texas. We do recognize common law here, so the common law spouse can make decisions. If you believe you're in a common law marriage, just know the laws in your state of whether they recognize that or not. So after that, if they're legally divorced, if they're not married, or if their spouse has died, then we go to the adult children. So this also has a slight variation state by state, which child is making the decision. But in the state of Texas, we ask all children if they wanna be involved in the decision, and it has to be majority rules. So if there are five children, at least three of the children have to agree on the decision to move forward with that choice. The next in that order is the patient's parent, if they are still alive and then their siblings, if they have any siblings, if they're still alive. After that, we try to find the next living relative. It could be an aunt, a cousin, and then we look for close friends, neighbors, clergy. So the list goes on, and like I said, it's different state by state, but overall, this is the order. And of course, if we go to somebody and we say, you know, you're the next of kin, they can say, I do not want to make any decisions for this person. Can you please find the next in line? So they are not forced to make a decision. They're just the next one who is offered the opportunity to make decisions for the patient. All this goes with saying, if you do not like this order and you would prefer the person who is first, second, third in line to make your decisions not to, that is the importance of having advanced directives and a medical power of attorney because the medical power of attorney trumps all of this. And then the final situation is what happens if there is no one to make a medical decision for this patient? Uh oh. So as I've said in prior videos, our default is when somebody comes in with an emergent situation that needs to be acted on quickly and it's time sensitive, then we just go forward. If they need an emergent procedure, we do it. If they need an emergent surgery, we do it because even if they have a medical power of attorney or next of kin and time is precious, we don't want to waste time calling these people and asking for consents and explaining the situation. If it's life and death in a matter of time, we just do it because we, you know, any reasonable person would agree to having their life saved rather than letting them die. There are some situations where I have done two physician consent for somebody who we have not been able to find a family member or next of kin and it was time sensitive but not emergent for situations such as somebody needing urgent dialysis because of kidney failure and knowing if they didn't get it soon they may die but it wasn't life or death that needed to happen right this minute same thing for surgical procedures there's if there's a little bit more of a window we try our best effort to get in touch with any family or next of kin but if that does not happen then two physicians can come together and say you know i think a reasonable person would agree to this 
life-saving procedure or life-saving treatment. There are also situations where we may go to the ethics committee within the hospital. There is an ethics committee at every hospital and say, you know, we've done our due diligence in trying to find this patient's family and next of kin. We have not, this is the situation. And the ethics committee guides us in terms of what is ethical to do in a situation where somebody, you know, is sustaining on life support, not improving and has irreversible disease. Those are typically the situations in the intensive care unit is if somebody's not getting better, it looks like their life is on life support. Um, you know, trying to say like, what would a reasonable person want in this situation? Because withdrawing life support is a pretty big deal and we don't want to make that decision without anybody to speak for the patient. But like I've said multiple times, whatever the life-saving thing to do is, that's usually what we move forward with. And something else that may happen is, and it does. this is a long process, so it does not necessarily happen in hospitalized patients, but it can, is getting a court-appointed guardian. So if somebody absolutely does not have any family, friends, anyone to make decisions for them, they may, and they're not able to make decisions for themselves, they might have somebody assigned by the court who is their guardian, and they make all the medical decisions for them. We work very hard to find family and friends and anybody who would be able to make decisions for the patient. We typically have a social worker assigned to the patients in the intensive care unit, and that is one of their duties is to find family. And like I said, if we don't have an answer, we do everything to maintain that person's life until we can find somebody to make a decision for them. This is a very complex topic, and as I said, it does vary state by state. I encourage you, if you had any questions about your specific state, to look on your state's website. A lot of times they will have next of kin listed out. If you wanted any more information about Advanced Directives Medical Power of Attorney, I'm going to leave some resources down below. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me. This is a very brief explanation of something that is complex. I'll see you on Friday for the next video. Never settling or compromising. We are working together to advance healthcare. Join our team today. Hello, I'm the intense MD and I see All right, we're here in the yard. Yeah, I'm tired. Oh, past the big time shit. Well, it's too much laying. And I see it for the night. We can tell you that I'm tired.